Hello and welcome to Giving Quest episode 268. I am your um, Xenoblade. Oh god, I screwed it up. I want the Xenoblades, and with me as always. Uh, recently spun off from the Dragon Slayer franchise, but retaining my Falcom DDK soundtrack, even for any Femo Master. I understood that reference. Uh, I've often wondered what JDK stands for. This Reddit thread I found claims it stands for Japan Dynamite Kids, and I hope that's true, so we're printing the legend. That doesn't stand for Java Development Kit? Not in Falcom context. <laughs> so, I mean, J Falcom JDK predates uh, first version of Java significantly, sure. I believe. True. When was that, actually? Now I'm curious. Yeah, 1996, yeah. Falcom JDK predates that by nearly a decade. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah. How's it going, Wales? It's going good. It's going good. I, except for my plans to play more, Dot Hack has been slightly derailed. Scuttled by. Live alive. Live alive. Live alive. Live alive. Live alive. Yes. The the katakana on the Japanese Super Famicom box makes it clear it's live alive. Yes. So I picked that up mostly to support such a release and mm -hmm. launch because I want more stuff like this um, and got addicted to the three chapters I played and the other one is just fine uh, but yeah I finished two and I'm, I believe I'm at the end of the third one so it's the, the three chapters that were in the demo so uh, the distant future one which is the one that really hooked me which has like no combat <laughs> and it's mostly just hey weird shit's going on figure it out and that's part of what makes live alive interesting is that every chapter can kind of take its own approach to how combat and everything else works yeah uh but yeah with no without going into any spoilers it it hits lots of like sci-fi tropes, but goes in kind of directions that you may not expect. Mm -hmm. And has and uh, the way I put it is, it felt like a Yoko Taro story, except it left you feeling hopeful instead of horribly depressed. I mean, that's more interesting to me. <laughs> yes, same, same. Uh, but... Yeah, like that, that's kind of the thing about Live Alive is that it gets to be so many different tones and moods because every uh, section has a very different style. And that means some of them will work for everyone, but yeah. I mean that's part of what makes it gives it texture. Yeah. See, the other one I did was uh, like the Kung Fu one, Imperial China, mm. which is in interesting. And uh, seen people calling calling that their favorite chapter. It's very good, and um, yeah, it can go. It can change a little bit depending on your decisions. Uh, yeah, it's very good, and it, it does gives you more combat, obviously, than the distant future one. Uh, mm -hmm. But it's very well done. The voice acting was excellent, and uh, I really liked how it ended. It was great. Mm -hmm. And the one that I'm at the end of, I believe. Like as in, I'm pretty sure I'm at the, the boss, the ending boss fight in this chapter. Yeah. Yeah. And my switch is currently in sleep mode on that. 
uh, is the the ninja one. Mm, that's a very weird one. Which I found kind of boring. <laughs> uh, <coughs> you can probably at this point figure out whether someone's the final boss just by working out some clues about them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that one's kind of just like, this is kind of a traditional JRPG dungeon with the caveat that apparently you can go through like the whole trapper without killing people. Yeah, like that's kind of the gimmick of the ninja chapters, that it is possible to do essentially a pacifist run. Which, uh, I'm gonna have to look up how you do that, because there are some fights that you can't seem to escape from or anything, so... This is a very <laughs> specific thing get. Yeah. There were some other, like, optional paths and different things, so I'm assuming you just have to do things a bit differently, but yeah. It's hmm. it was a bit boring, but uh, I can see how going through it again, trying to do that, could make it a little more interesting. But uh, hmm. yeah, I'm looking forward to some of the other chapters that look really cool, like the near future one and the Wild West. Hmm. So I will probably live alive. Pro wrestling one. Yes, live alive. <laughs> <coughs> I will live probably alive. live alive. I will probably continue poking around with it even after hmm. Xenoblade is out. It's uh, much From less what I remember, like the, yeah. like the Wild West chapter is literally setting up ambushes and hoping you take out enough of the bad guys before the actual fight starts. Nice. Which yeah. fits with the Wild West. Yeah. And the pro wrestling chapter was basically Street Fighter as that battle system. It was... Interesting. Dun, dun. <laughs> this is what I remember from 20 years ago, having played through the not necessarily the best, but available English fan translation. Yeah, that fan translation got a significant like rework a few years back, I think. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I can say that this official translation is really good. Yeah. Bizarre. <laughs> it's good when the official translation is actually better than the fan translation. Yes. <laughs> Unlike the initial translation of Final Fantasy V. <laughs> oh, we were all thinking that, yes. Why burn? Uh, yeah, I've been quite enjoying... Why burn? Quite enjoying the game, which has really mm. screwed up my plans, because I still have not finished .hackgu Part 2. And I want to at least finish that before Friday, so. You've got a busy Thursday coming up, don't you? Yes, I certainly do. You've met with a terrible fate, haven't you? Uh, <coughs> yeah, cannot recommend... Uh, God damn it. Live Alive. Live Alive enough. Eventually I'll pronounce it correctly. I mean, technically Live Alive is the correct pronunciation, but most of us don't pronounce it that way yeah but i do hey, i mean it doesn't help that english decided to have live and live be the exact same spelling yeah that's not ideal yeah contextual pronunciation huzzah <sighs> but yeah so that all you've been playing whales or uh, i've been playing some monster to arrive Sounds like Sunbreak. Um, grinding up some gear and stuff. Um, 
I don't really have a lot to say about that other than it's good and the master level stuff is very good, so <coughs> Yeah, that's good. Monster Hunter. Good. And yeah, dot hack GU continues to be excellent. I'm just uh just need to sit down and finish part two. Indeed. Are we actually recording yet? Yes, yes we, are. we have been for a while. We are, okay. As <laughs> you know, sometimes we just get off on these sidetracks before anything even starts. Yeah. Oh, and I, I did, it's been a bit, so I did uh, fire up Destiny 2 the other day just to start out. Um, More like man. Destiny U. Wow. There's some like summer solstice quests. I gotta start working on at some point, so there's that. Appointment gaming. Yes. <sighs> yes, Mega, we need to do that dungeon sometime. Finally finish it. <coughs> uh, yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, let's have Gaijin go next because I have a melange of games and I'm going to keep remembering them halfway through. So, Gaijin, what you been playing? Well, I'm still on Oreshka. Mm -hmm. Through the end of this month, I'm just going to hang it up on, at the end of the 31st. Figure that's about as much of Russia as you need. Yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure how much more leveling I need to be able to beat the next danger plot boss. It's just more than I've done. More than you care to. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm like nine generations into this game. Jeez. Mm -hmm. oh, so, and <coughs> I am still doing piddling damage against mm. this thing with maximized magic attacks. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Don't trust wizards. Yeah. You can always trust wizards. Uh, yeah, don't trust the wizard who keeps sending these things against me. Yeah. You can always trust wizards, unless it's magic, man. Okay, we're not doing this. Um, but... Unless it's the wizard who cursed your entire line to live for it just under two years each. Yeah. Ew. Yeah. Yeah, that's a rush cut for you. Yep. That's why I say nine generations. It's been about eight years in game. <laughs> so. The dearly departed seven-year-olds. <laughs> oh yeah, my longest-lived character managed to survive to the ripe old age of one year eleven months. <laughs> oh, that's rough. Before the curse kicked in, and bye bye. Right. Yep. Uh, oh, yeah, this isn't something I've been playing. It's just something I learned about today, and I thought that Wales would be interested, so I want to mention it before I forget about it again. Uh, remember how Square announced a fucking strategy RPG like months ago that. Was like, wait, why did you announce this in the same year as Triangle Strategy, but like completely separately? And like, it's very confusing. Yeah. Uh, called Diofield Chronicle. Yeah. Did you ever yeah, check yeah. who's actually developing that, Wales? No. It's being developed by your friends and mine, Lankars. Lankars. The Etrian Odyssey developer. Oh, what the fuck? Yeah, okay. yeah, it is. Right. It's a Lankars game, which 
you know, you don't leave your name pop up yeah. too often. I thought I'd pass that along. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've got it pre-ordered on the Switch, which I found out it was coming to the Switch when I went to pre-order and saw a Switch version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's coming to everything. Yeah, I must, I must have missed that announcement. They announced it at a state of play, so there was some confusion about what it was actually going to. Uh, I was going to transition by saying, speaking of things announced at a state of play, but we'll save that for once I finish what I was playing. Uh, I, Gaijin, you'll be the easy way to calibrate this. Did I talk about the original Legend of Heroes last week? I believe you did. Okay, I that makes sense. saying something about it. Yeah, well, I played some more of that. It's Apparently, Mega just woke up from a nap just to listen to us. That's wonderful. That's what, what a poor choice, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I played some Legend of Heroes. I've been on a let's play stupid old games kick. Uh, so I also decided to play a bit of Shining Force and then play the exact same bit of Shining Force, but in its GBA remake that no one remembers. I remember it. Well, now you do. Well, that's because I'm the target audience. Yeah, like the target audience of like the five Shining Force 1 fans. Yes. Um, but yeah, Shining Force and Shining Force Resurrection of the Dark Dragon, which seems like a largely very loyal remake, but it does make some interesting changes, not least of which is that the protagonist says things and has a name now. Which is, relatively speaking, a pretty big change. But it doesn't matter, because all that matters is the yogurt. Yeah, good old yogurt. There's also a new side quest about cards. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, my biggest remembrance of that game was endlessly waiting for the GBA remake of Shining Force 2 that never happened. Probably never planned. Buddy, that came out in like like Resurrection of the Dark Dragon came out in like 2004. I don't know what you were thinking. <laughs> uh, I wanted Shining Force 2. My GBA is what I wanted. Just like yeah. oh, this. This is nice, but why'd you give me the shitty, the shittier of the two games? Listen, Shining yeah. Force One is good. It's just not as yeah. good as two. Yeah, yeah. It's perfectly cromulent. Yeah, it's a good game. But yeah, it was a 2004 game, and we're not going to bother. Yeah, I, think uh, I think we're being trolled in chat, but I can't. I'm in the middle of a fight, so I can't scroll up the chat. We are, in fact, being trolled. Mega <laughs> <laughs> uh, described waking up this podcast as best choice of their life next to crippling depression. Ouch. Um, Harsh. Okay. But yeah, um... Yeah, what was I going to say? Uh, but yeah, I played some Shining Force and, and some Shining Force with Archie the Dark Dragon. Uh, honestly, the, the biggest uh, upgrade of that remake is just that it's way faster. It's so much faster than the original. Yeah, the original is really slow. It's a very <laughs> pokey game. Uh, that's that's it. one of those games which may be best played with uh, emulator fast forward. I've yeah. been playing for a little bit. Uh, the other thing that's nice is that uh, in town exploration in the original Shining Force, it's all on the grid. Uh, the the uh, tactics sections are, which means that it can feel kind of weird to like weird and unresponsive to control. So the uh, 
It removes the town exploration from the group. That's yeah. good. Both versions are good. Uh, the art of the. If I could have the gameplay improvements of the remake and the art of the original, that might be okay. But what you gonna do? Uh, the new art is. Uh, its biggest problem is just that it's way too bright because it's trying to compensate for the original GBA spring as many games were. Um, what else did I play? Uh, I was on a I was on a weird uh, GBA games that are in some fashion uh, references to old Sega properties, which is why I also played Gunstar Superheroes. Yeah. And that, mm-hmm. that game is better than its reputation. Believe people, it. people, people tend to be kind of dismissive <laughs> of it as like, oh, it's just Gunstar Heroes, but worse. And it's like it's not as good as Gunstar Heroes, but very cute games are. And uh, it has a lot of love and references for uh, Genesis era Sega. There's a level that is like, what if uh, Super Thunder Blade was fun? Um, <laughs> it's fun. A, uh, Super Thunder Blade is super not fun. But this uh, this level in Gunstar Super is, is fun, so that's something to set apart. But yeah, no, it's like Gunstar Super is a lot of fun. It's a different game, but it's fun. Uh, and because I couldn't just play that, I also played a bit of Advanced Guardian Heroes. That game's mind-bogglingly hard, and it's not as good as Guardian Heroes, but it's still pretty cool. Uh, Is there something else? I was I was really on a on a roll of just playing. Oh yeah, I played some. Uh, sort of mana. Powerful mail. Huh? Sort of mana. No, no. Uh, powerful mail. Which uh, I played in honor of the fact that we will not be getting it on the Genesis Mini Two in the West. <laughs> That's too bad. I remember reading about that one in a gaming magazine back in high school and thinking it sounded really cool. Yeah, it's a fun little, uh, you know, platformer RPG uh, sort of thing. Uh, very uh, light-hearted, uh, late '80s, early '90s anime style to it. Uh, but yeah, that that version was translated by Blue Signs. They seem to have retained all rights to the English version and uh, like translation. And no one wants to dig up who would technically own that now in order to license it. It seems so. Too bad. Um, we won't be getting it. Uh, yeah, uh, still a fun game, uh, especially if you play it with the patch that's out there floating around that uh, removes all of the difficulty rebalancing that Working Designs attempted to do, which was uh, in essentially every game they ever uh, were party to, to a man a bad idea. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe pick that up. But yeah, no, it's, it's a fun game, cute game. Uh, I believe one of two games credited to Sega Falcon which was a uh, brief partnership that existed uh, after Falcom got brain-drained post-East Three Wanderers from Easts. After the brain-draining, they needed people to make things for them because they sure as hell couldn't, which is why uh, in that era, Falcom sure as hell never made its own version of East Four. They had two other companies make them. Uh, but yeah, Sega Falcon was a product of that, and was actually at one point scheduled to make a third version of these four from that era. Sweet Jesus. <laughs> Didn't happen. <can't> <coughs> uh, 
I think for all the east we could have been drowning them. Uh, I can uh, easily imagine. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. After wheels, we're yes. stubs. We're co-streaming an RP gamer. So yeah, not appropriate for the RP gamer stream. But those brains aren't going to eat themselves. I know. I know. Don't you worry about the brains. They will be eaten in due time. <laughs> okay. Is there anything else that was actually worth mentioning? Because I've, I've played, frankly, a stupid amount of things for like an hour or two. And I think that mostly covers it. Um, I think I'm like halfway through Legend of Heroes 1. And then after I play that, I'll replay... Trails in the Sky first chapter, and we'll see where we go from there. But, yeah, so, a lot of stupid games on my plate. Um, oh yeah, today I also played Wildwood. Don't play Wildwood. I don't even know what that is. It's an extraordinarily bad platformer for the Sega CD. Mm. I, it, you play as a pencil, and... Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but pencils are very, like, uh, if, you're, if, you're designing, if you're designing a hurt box for them, they're uh, very not, uh, they're very oblong, and it makes it very hard for you to jump over things without ramming some part, portion of your, like, pencil body into them, and it sucks. Um, the game declares that you can totally draw objects into existence. There are three buttons on a Justice controller, and none of them seems to do that. Um, huh. one, of them, one of them jumps, and one of them rubs your butt on things because your butt's an eraser, and that's how you kill things. And it mostly just looks like every time, like every time you do it, it sort of looks like a like a poorly trained dog that's trying to rub its ass on the carpet. <laughs> uh, so that sucks. Don't play that fucking game. Um, it has uh, maybe watch the cutscenes because it has like I don't want to be mean, but probably the ugliest animation I have ever seen in CG. Like I could probably name me a few games that are worse, but maybe mm. only maybe. They might look more robotic. This is horrifying. Everything is constantly shifting. It's hell. Also, I believe that the... Uh, the fucking ending is like... Our horrible pencil protagonist being granted any wish, and he asks for a girl pencil. It's just... Wow. I don't want to contemplate that. I don't want to contemplate what's happening there. I don't want to contemplate what they'll do together. I don't want to contemplate this living pencil being allowed to live. How do pencils... Um, you know what, never mind. Yeah. So yeah, don't play Wild Woody. I don't think anyone was at risk of that ever. But... Don't play well, Woody. I'm going to forget um, about it after tonight. I'm extremely excited for when it ends up on the uh, Genesis Mini 2 in the US. Oh, God. Or the <laughs> Nintendo Online Expansion Pack. No, there's no Sega CD games on that. Oh, right. Duh, 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 duh. At least not yet. 
Yeah, I mean, you know what? If they can put uh, games someone might actually want to play on there, that'd be fine. Uh, oh yeah, play Riley like worse. No, no, I, I mean in terms of Sega CD games. Oh yeah, there, there's plenty of good games on the Sega Genesis and Switch Online. Um, but yeah, this was made by Sega itself. They own it, lock, stock, and barrel. Sweet. It's so bad, don't play it. Um, Sega 3D Ages, wild woody. Uh, <laughs> I'm just imagining. Uh, but yeah, Should be a character um, in the next Sega racing game. Oh god. Oh god. No, he would be riding around on the fucking, like, uh, statues he's trying to rescue in Wild Woody. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I've been playing. And I think there's, like, one piece of news that's, worth, that's relevant to what we would normally discuss. Uh... So I guess we'll hit that, and if there's if anyone can think of something else, we'll bring it up. But uh, Star Wars: Knights of the Republic remake has been delayed indefinitely, apparently. Rip. Uh, there's a report out of Bloomberg, uh, probably Jason Schreier, but I haven't actually checked the byline on it. But it very much sounds like something Schreier would. I'm pretty sure it was him, actually. <laughs> he was the one I saw tweeting it, so I said. In the interest of credits, it's a report out of Bloomberg uh, about a the Knights of the Republic remake that was announced at a Sony State of Play like a year ago, and uh, is, or at least was, in development at Aspire. Uh, it's uh, it's not going well. Um, apparently, according to this report, uh, they had. Uh, just finished the milestone where they had to have a big vertical source of the game to show to uh, Sony and Disney. Uh, for those not uh, versed in uh, vertical slices, basically it's where you build uh, a small portion of the game to the spec of what you think the final game will look like. So that when you download it from people, they can get an idea of, like, when we build the full game, they, they will, we will try to build all of it to this spec. Uh, and some combination of Sony and Disney, when they saw it, were pissed. And, uh, like, uh, several people, several key people on the project seem to have been uh, let go almost immediately. And it's unclear... Uh, who's going to be making it, uh, making the game further, and like what'll become of what's currently been done on the project, which apparently started uh, like tentatively sometime in 2019. So, <sighs> rough times. Um, two things to say uh, as far as uh, outcomes, this is not super surprising and like this is not a dig on Aspire or the work they put in it's just I don't think they've ever done a project to anything like the scale that this is meant to be done they to. have not and like no matter how good you are this is a super dangerous like uh, you know like AAA development is inherently incredibly risky and incredibly expensive um 
and in general, you would not announce this before a uh, before a vertical slice had been completed, before like there was reason to believe, okay, we know what this game looks like because this is a developer who's not done this kind of game, who is being tasked with a very high-budget remake of one of the most beloved RPGs of all time. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's not it's not Aspire's fault that it was announced when it was. Like that that would not have ever been there. I will say, whoever at Sony's idea it was to make announcing this a key centerpiece of one of their state of plays should probably be like getting. Well, if anyone's head should be rolling, it should probably be theirs. Because announcing it when they did, and in the fashion that they did, uh, puts them in a very, very bad position. Because normally, uh, if this had happened uh, in the normal course, where no one had been told that this game existed publicly, uh, they would have a lot more options of what to do now. Uh, Or at least a lot easier options of what to do now. Because realistically, if this had happened without the game being announced, I think there is probably an at least 50% chance that the game would be summarily killed and no one would ever acknowledge its existence until 10 years from now when some developer talked about it or it showed up on someone's resume as an uncompleted game. Um, this situation where they made a big, splashy announcement of there's going to be a PS5 exclusive and specific remake of Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, that old RPG fucking love now means that they need to have make sure someone finishes it. <laughs> because if they mm-hmm. don't, now they have to like essentially deal with the bad PR of we announced a high-profile remake of a game you would want to play and see a remake of and never delivered on. Yep. So yeah. Um, someone made a really bad bet. <laughs> So how would you say it? Smooth move, um, X-Lax? Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. But yeah. Uh, hopefully Aspire recovers just fine from this. Um, hopefully this game ends up on track, because I'd like a nice uh, modernized version of KOTOR. It's a game that there's a lot of uh, things you could do that are interesting to uh, remake it, and you know, the original is still available on modern platforms, so, you know, swing away, see what you can make of the, the, uh, like, everything about how the unveiling was handled. It is, retrospectively, looks like just a huge botch. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Uh, apparently, some combination of the game was also being worked on by uh, Saber Interactive, who uh, are another of the Embracer Group's many acquisitions, and who are uh, definitely, definitely technical wizards. So was God, this, Saber. was was this started on before or after they were acquired? I'm curious. Before. Before. Okay. Yeah, significantly before. Embracer acquired from like a year ago, uh, about a year ago, and it was allegedly developed started some form of development, like 2019. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, if, if you were to ask me, I would say that uh, having some piece of this remake was probably part of why Embracer would have made a play at acquiring Aspire. Mm. Uh, yeah. Because, uh, like, this is indisputably a huge project, like, gigantic. Uh, you've got uh, Sony throwing its weight behind it. You've got uh, the weight of the original's uh, reputation. And, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> just, just, uh, just tragic to see where it's uh, currently sitting up. Hopefully, hopefully it comes out the other end. But, uh, definitely, definitely probably shouldn't have been announced when it was. Nope. And, uh, yeah, that's one of the other reasons companies hate when unannounced projects get leaked because it becomes much harder to kill them. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, was there any other news that uh, any of us would care about this week? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, not much other than like, hey, Xenoblade 3 finally came out. It's apparently a very impressive game, very pretty game, very good music. Or excuse me, Xenoblade 3 will be coming out in approximately a day. But yes. all the reviews are up. Give me. Uh, from the major outlets. Hey, how much do you have to pay on eBay to get that collector's edition? A lot. Most likely. Oh. <laughs> Too but, much. But I did not have to pay. Oh, okay. Because we all stole I got... No... <laughs> I managed to get an order in and was able to cancel the eBay order I had. So, cool. 95 American dollars and no more. Wow. I'm paying more for Bayonetta 3. I'm dumb. Oops. No, you're not. That's an awesome collection. It is, but I, that doesn't make me not dumb. It's just not for that reason. Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah, uh, looks like that's about it for, uh, news to my understanding. Also, hello, Pew. Greetings. You know, if you type Pew Pew into an iMessage, it creates a laser show. <laughs> really? Yeah. Horrifying. If you if you Google the word askew, the entire screen slams weird. Oh wait, what happens when you search? Um, yeah, yeah. Pretty close. Why would you Why would you let him do that? Um. If you search for Chuck Norris on Google, does it still refuse to search for Chuck Norris? Because Chuck Norris searches for you. <laughs> Jesus Lord. 
that's a that's gotta be a Google thing from like at least fifteen years ago. Yes. Sounds like hell. Um Hang on. Uh, uh I'm not seeing it. We're free. Uh, How do I find Chuck Norris? No. Uh, uh, let's set some of Fire Miner's questions before I completely run out of steam. Um, let's see. Uh, yay, I just beat that boss I was having trouble with. Yay. Okay. So now the now the global monster level will increase and everything's gonna be tougher. Yay. Wait, not yay. Yay. Okay. Um, this game doesn't sound that fun. <coughs> being honest. I mean, it's not it's not too dissimilar from what some of the Romancing Saga games did to in, to help uh, keep the difficulty level on par. Okay, uh, to hit some questions before I completely conk out. Um, why haven't more developers made absurd.ized open world games? For example, why not embrace glitching as a creation engine or make a bigger ghost wonder? Uh, I think the issue is that uh, goat simulators' uh, appeal would probably not scale very well. You make a bigger world to do something like Goat Simulator in, and certainly I think I think we're on like Goat Simulator three at this point. Uh, certainly you can you can scale it up in terms of size, but uh, you end up honestly probably better off making uh, a. Uh, you end up better off. You, you need to make things that can, are conducive to more chaos because that's what players, uh, the, the like really absurdist open world games tend to focus on is chaos. And the issue is that um, even if uh, world size, uh, like world size, does not inherently produce chaos. In fact, a giant world can actually be worse for chaos because it means that fewer of the interactable objects are likely to be adjacent to each other within that giant world. Uh, mm -hmm. And to make more interactables, you generally need to uh, focus on the engine and physics and all that. And like that could get uh, both computationally and developmentally expensive. Uh, so when yeah, you know, it's just you you end up with this giant uh, like actuarial table that exists somewhere in like a publisher's office that's basically like well people get uh, less invested long term in this kind of chaos game unless it has x y and z distinguishing features and it is this the answer always ends up being uh the game the kind of game is expensive enough that you can't make it with a small team and you need a large team to make it you have you need publisher money to make it and when publisher money is required they have much more specific ideas of uh, what the market is expected to want 
there's other there's other reasons uh, for this as well. Um, polish is something that large scale publishers tend to be heavily focused on uh, for a multitude of reasons, not the least of which is that uh, through a heinous capitalistic feedback route, uh, loop, I should say, basically. Uh, consumers have been to some degree trained to associate like quality and what is worth money with polish and polish is a metric that's much easier for a large scale developer with a lot of money to do but if you make something that is dataist and absurd it polishes its enemy and it no longer uh, is easy to fit into traditional publisher metrics and you end up with uh, pain <laughs> so yeah a lot of different reasons why uh, kind of a large-scale version of that is uh, anathema to uh, current game design uh, and business trends as they are. Uh, and then a question that I fundamentally disagree with premise on, so we'll kind of get to that. He keeps <laughs> lasering me. Well, That's you're probably the one deserved. That, you're the one that told me about it. <laughs> <laughs> Laser. No, I'm neither of your father's, laser. so I, I'm neither of your father's, so I do not care what you do to each other. Um, <laughs> let's see. Uh, to hit this next question, on the other hand, where is the balance between just enough and too absurdist? In other words, why Saints Row Three is more fun while being less uh, than crazy than successes? But actually, argue that Saints Row Two is the happy medium, and that Saints Row Three doesn't go far enough and is too absurd to be taken seriously, but not absurd enough to actually be fun. Um, Saints Row Three is amazing. I disagree, but that's for neither here. <laughs> I was. I, I was. I just played the remaster today, and I had a ball. I would honestly just much rather the game embraced being balls out crazy and go for the uh, uh, sheer absurdity for personally. But, That's fair. Yeah. Uh, everyone, Everyone's like, what's the happy medium is different. And for me, it's very much uh, Saints Row 2 is ridiculous, but there's still like something to theoretically care about what's happening in it. And Saints Row 4 is stupid and knows it. And Saints Row 3 is this unhappy medium where it's like, well, this is stupid and there's nothing to care about in it. But it's not stupid enough to get over that hurdle. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the answer is uh, in the eye of the beholder. As demonstrated. What was the question? Question was like, what is the happy medium between something being uh, absurdist, uh, being too serious, self-serious, and too over-the-top cartoony? And the answer is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but I can tell you that probably Nipponichi has made that game. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Every Disgaea game. <laughs> It's actually weird that it is variable between disguises, though. Some of them are yes. more absurd than others. Yeah. I was going to say, which was the one where they actually tried to do a, a more serious story and it failed, so the next 
the game they did, they ended up in a parallel dimension that looked like it was going to be the sequel to that game, but then somebody said, no, no, we're not going to do another serious one, and then they nuked the parallel universe and destroyed it. I fucking forget. <laughs> I don't know. Remember. Yeah, it was... That sounds awesome. Yeah, but, yeah, but it's... um, That's where their, their running joke, not a protagonist girl, came from. Oh yeah, because, because she was Bear supposed, she was supposed oh, Asagi. to be the heroine. Oh, Asagi, yeah, that's what it is. Asagi. Yeah. So you're talking about Makai Wars, I think, maybe. Or... Yes, I was. That's the one that canceled. Yeah. Okay. It was like, yeah, because it was somebody realized, oh no, they're gonna, they're planning on making a sequel to Makai Kingdom, and then they said, no, we're not going to do this, and then they just deleted that universe, and Asagi's okay. the only survivor, and that's why she's so obsessed with being the protagonist now. Nice. Yeah, and she invades every other Nipponichi game to try and become the protagonist. Yeah, she's always at the very least a DLC. Yeah. Can they do that in Duke to Sky Fi's world? Please and thank no. you. But why? You need to get over it, man. No, I don't want to get over it. <laughs> I've got questions as to why you don't want to get over it. So I want that 70 hours of my life back. Even if even if they destroyed the game, like I could throw that that game into a river, and you still wouldn't be able to have that time back, buddy. But I'd feel better. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> You'd feel like you would waste money in addition to time. Mm. Well, mm. I still think Disgaea Four is the best one. Even Wheels. Uh, no, the three is the best, but Four is very good, so I wouldn't argue the point. Okay. Because who cares? I think all of the Mario sports games are just absurd and kind of take themselves a little too seriously at times. I've never played the story mode of them. Like, like I hear that new Mario Strikers game is just completely ridiculous. Like, you're blowing each other up the whole time while trying to kick a ball. Football is serious business, right? (laughs) It needs to be noted. Unless there's explosions, soccer is extremely boring. <laughs> well, yes, I am American. How could you tell? I mean, if they're, <laughs> they're going to do a story mode in Mario soccer, they should just basically make Mario Ted Lasso and make like a parody parody of Ted Lasso. People I don't think, think don't think anyone in Japan knows what that is. Well, and I that's... know that next level in Canada maybe. The most recent uh-huh. made all the Strikers games. Also, I don't know that they know what Ted Lasso is in game either. But then, um, Mario Tennis Aces, I thought, was just too complicated. There were too many different types of shots, plus the super shots, plus your racket could break. No thanks. To me, a Mario. Well, my problem with Mario Tennis is it's tennis. <laughs> We all say it's Need more baseball. I want, need a new Mario baseball. It's weird but... that we haven't had a sequel since Super Sonic. Seriously. What's going yeah. on with that? But I did think that Mario Golf Super Rush or whatever, I thought that was just the right amount of absurd while still being a uh, golf game that I could take seriously. Pronounced Jolf. <laughs> it's pronounced Jolf and it's played with a dinosaur. <laughs> this is where I joke that where I point out that Hot Shots Jolf 2 had Jackson. 
<laughs> so hey Tam. Seems to be at work. Sad, sad face. R.I.P. That's why they call him the working man. Okay. Um, moving on. <laughs> the first RPG with FPS combat that doesn't suck. We've already had that. Have we? Destiny? Oh, he was asking what the first one was and asking why Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. It sounded like he was taking a shot at every existing. (laughs) No, I was about to do that because I was about to say that, oh, we haven't had one yet. The, the um, The first FPS. RPG? The first RPG um, with FPS combat or whatever. Oh, I don't know if Turok counts because that was no, more of a Metroidvania. Yeah. Okay. Um, what that's about that's the all first I could think. Of. Elder Scrolls game was it a remake no, that, or something? That, no, we're talking about the first one with good FPS combat. Oh, right. Good, 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 good. Um, Oblivion or Morrowind, maybe? No, Morrowind maybe the worst combat experience in one of these. Kinds of games. Fine. Doom RPG. That's. That's I mean, that's Tam's... just. Uh, I think that's turn based. Yes. It is. Also, that I don't think that game is actually that old. I don't think it's as old as you think it is. I mean, it's for flip phones. It's mid two thousands. Yeah. Um. Fuck. Um... It's like I don't. I honestly don't take issue with Deus Ex's combat. Like the combat's not the fun part of Deus Ex, but I don't think there's anything wrong with it. What about like uh, Hexen? That's not. That's like a FPS with an RPG veneer, like yeah, theming. It's not really an RPG. <laughs> yeah. Remember Hexen '64? That game's controls are utterly daffy. <laughs> Also, I just want to bring up. Uh, okay. Okay. No, I was gonna say if we're so if we're not counting Hexen, we're not counting Heretic or any of yeah. before that. Okay. Were there, were Plus, there any uh, games like that that were actually RPGs? Yeah, like that's that's the issue is like that for that, a very long time there was this, that they either made like because like you had they, you had System Shock, but like that's combat is notoriously bad even among people that like it. Okay, so if we're if we're agreeing if we're agreeing that Deus Ex's combat is bad, uh, which you know I might be willing to dispute depending upon when you ask me, but uh, honestly, it might be Bioshock, <laughs> the first Bioshock, yeah. as like the first one I can think of, where it's like if you just wanted to play an FPS, you wouldn't feel like you've been cheated. <laughs> hmm. That come before or after Borderlands? Uh, significantly before. Bioshock One is two thousand six. Okay. Or two thousand seven, I believe, actually. Yeah, I mean, I didn't like Borderlands One that much, but Borderlands Two was good. I mean, I don't yeah, love Borderlands I... One, but I think the combat is actually good. Oh yeah. That's the argue the opposite. I did not like. I did not yeah. think that the shooting in. Borderlands 1 was very good. I think the shooting's fine. I just don't think... 
Maybe it's just that the way that it interacts with being an RPG makes it feel worse. I think that's part of it. And I think part of it's just like the the structure of it is wonky. Like it doesn't place, it doesn't do a good job of putting you into like frequent good combat encounters. That's always been my frustration with that series. Is that like here drive around in a car? The encounter line like, is not actually very good. Yeah, though. it's like no, I just throw me in like a dungeon thing and let me shoot things. Like what? What the fuck are you doing with this open world car shit? Yeah. There are two things you need to do. You need to make Claptrap shut the clap, clap trap shut the fuck up and yes. stop trying to make jokes. You need to stop making me go through this pointless, boring open world that has nothing in it. Well, that's why the the Tiny Tina's Wonderland is so good because they got got rid of all that shit and you actually kind of go through dungeons and it's quite wonderful. <laughs> Plus D and D jokes, which I always appreciate. It's Wonderland, if you will. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I just. Yeah, like, yeah, and and as we kind of discussed, this kind of teases out the issue here. Is that like, if you want to make a, you you need, frankly, a ton of time and money to make both a good FPS with good RPG in it, and yeah. for a very long time that was not in scope. So you made a choice about which one you cared about. You made like a heretic or something that is very lightly RPG themed, or you made a. Days X, which was an or an Elder Scrolls, which was a complex RPG from a first-person perspective, that theoretically looked like an FPS, but did not control or function the way you would expect if you were just trying to play an FPS. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that's why Destiny hit so hard. Is just because hey, it's Halo, but it has RPG. Exactly, <laughs> like it's from a, comp a competent developer that knows how to make a really good shooter. Hmm. <laughs> And like, just knows weapons. Like half of that game is just like you can, all these weapons are designed incredibly well, and mix that yeah. in with RPG stuff, and it's just like it's perfect. Yeah. Like not, not even as a dig, but you can tell that they are a developer that is more experienced with the yes uh, the shooter portion than the, oh, no, the RPG. Portion. Absolutely right. Because they've had to that's all I was the, gonna say. They've had to tweak the RPG yeah. aspects a lot. Yeah. Although I think they had it pretty good in the first one, and then having to make it quote unquote, yeah. yes, well, having to make a quote unquote second game, it kind of got all messed up there, and they've been trying to. They spent get it like right five years then. trying to fix it. Yeah, and I think they mostly finally have, but yeah. Yeah, I always thought they did a better job with the shooting than with the RPG. Oh, sure. Mm. It's sure. clearly where their area of expertise was. Yeah. I mean, huh. when we were playing um, Stubbs the Zombie the other day, you can just see that... <laughs> it's just a bunch of X-Halo devs. Yeah. Yeah. R.I.P. White Look Games, I think that's who made that. Yeah, it is. Uh, was that Seropian or something like that? I'm conflating it with another laid-off skin uh, director. Uh, yeah, Alex Seropian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do they ever get to make a game other than Stubbs? I don't think so. It's Stubbs. Oh, they made Hail to the Chimp. A immediately forgotten Xbox 360 party game. Um, <laughs> uh, vaguely, I remember that title. <laughs> That's about it. And then they were inexplicably purchased by Disney. Disney? Oh, that's right. That's right. 
and every every game developer that's been purchased by Disney has ended up so so well. Yeah, the the tragic story of any game developer purchased yes. by Disney is that Disney every about ten or fifteen years gets a bee in its bonnet. It's like video games are huge money. We don't have enough presence in that space. So let's make presence in that space. And then like five years later it looks and it's like, holy shit, these are expensive. Why aren't we just licensing our games to people who make games? <sighs> and then they shut down everything that they purchased to make it stop taking money off the balance sheet and license their games to an actual game publisher. <laughs> oh, Disney. Warren fucking Spectre. Bastards. <sighs> Warren Spectre was really funny to listen to. Uh, oh, oh, that was the thing I wanted to talk about because I thought it was extremely funny in this news. Uh, Facebook is raising the price of the Oculus Quest. Oh yeah, what the fuck? Really? Yes, they yeah. are they are increasing its price by a hundred dollars. No, the Oculus Quest Two has been out for nearly two years. Um, I was going to say, has anyone actually been buying it? Uh, relative to other VR headsets, yes, but that also still means no. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, relative is a is a very slippery word here. So yeah, not really, uh, and that's not about to change. <laughs> Yeah, so so like yeah, the, we're the number one VR set, and how many are we selling? Ten a year. Yeah, so so to put this into some kind of perspective, uh, the reasoning behind this is obvious because they just put out their current quarterly report, and uh, their revenue has gone down for the first time in any quarterly report, and their stocks have absolutely eaten shit. Uh, to look at it this to look at it in uh, some kind of perspective uh, I believe they had a let me pull this up so I was talking about this with someone I know that is more versed in finance let me pull out what these exact numbers were um, okay so last September their shares were at a high of $370 per share Today it closed at $167 per share. Oh. So it has shed more than half its value over the past year. Uh, like, and they gave no indication that, that, that their, uh, like, revenues are going to be going up anytime soon. So, right. uh, Facebook is suddenly in a situation where they very much want anything that doesn't make money to start making money, uh, especially because one of their key VR initiatives uh, just took a bath of $3 billion over the course of the last 90 days. Oh. But if so. you raise the price, that lowers the demand, and then you sell less <laughs> units. Yes, but the problem yeah. with the Quest 2 is at least in part that I think that at their current price, they lose money on selling them. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say, one of the things that high school economics class taught me is that, yes, fewer people will buy at higher prices, but that still means you still make high, more money at times. Yeah. yeah, yeah sure. it, it, 50 people to buy it at a higher price at, and only a, and 100 people to buy it at a lower price, and you still make more money with 50 people. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. To, to look at the, the bigger picture here, uh, like... The, the very funny thing to me is that there, there is there exists a kind of person who is 
fully and completely convinced that VR is uh, forever on the cusp of becoming a new big thing in the mainstream. And that kind of person looked at this and was like, well, it's still one of the best headsets on the market, and it's still cheaper than most of the others. And the problem is that anything that has an entry-level price of $400 is not uh, competing with its opponents who are charging $1,000, like the Valve Index. It is competing with people saying, fuck this. And, yeah. uh, historically, the issue with that VR has been having recently is that fuck this is winning. So, yeah, uh, that, this is, uh, this is something that I would probably feel a lot more mixed feelings about the fact that it's fucking Facebook that it's happening to. Uh, so, you know, uh, good job, Facebook, keep losing money, please. Um, Yeah, seriously, if it was a company I actually cared about, then I might be upset. If it was a company that had ever done something good for anyone. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so meanwhile, I'll just go ahead and wait for the PSVR two. Well, that's going to have Resident Evil Village VR, which is the only thing I really care about. Exactly. <laughs> How much do they sell about the PSVR software for? The original was like five hundred dollars. Jesus Christ. Well, yep. actually, I think it launched at four hundred, but then oh, yeah, it um. That now you can. It's weird because you can. Maybe find a used one, but it's also been discontinued, I think, so... And also, I don't know. The, other thing, the other thing about the PSVR one, uh, and the reason that uh, it's difficult to recommend, and the thing that's apparently going to be fixed by the two, just because it's using the inside-out tracking, is that uh, it's an enormous rat's nest of cables. Ugh. Yeah. Like, they're, they're claiming it'll be just one USB-C wire this yeah, time they've, around. Yeah, they've been very careful about just one USB-C cable, no more like horrible rats nest of cables, no more needing to get a camera uh, because it's like, <laughs> yeah. It, yeah, the inside out tracking is using data uh, that the headset is getting from data from like how it's moving and what's around it as opposed to having something that like tracks it from outside and gets data to it that way. Uh, but yeah, like theoretically less accurate, but you don't need it to be that accurate for what their applications are. And yeah, should anything to not have to like rearrange your entire room in order to make the damn thing. Well, work. actually, I was just reading an article on it, and it said it's it's going to have a camera out on the outside of the headset that will scan your environment and then like let you know when you're about to bump into something. Yeah, that's part of inside out tracking as well. Oh, okay. All right. But yeah, like it's basically, you know, because like the the other issue that you always have with the old ones is that you need like a fair bit fair bit of space so that the camera has a wide angle of view so it can tell where you are in terms of space and that's not convenient. Uh, or you would have the other ones that are like, here, get three base stations and position them in strategic points around the room. <laughs> it's just like, absolutely not. Uh, but yeah, um, but yeah, like the, the uh, whole idea of selling the quest to as cheaply as they did was that the hope was that it would be cheap enough to lure in people uh, to get into Facebook's ecosystem. That didn't happen. But they uh, wanted it to be a loss leader. Yeah. 
or uh, barring that, uh, they wanted to lure people into Facebook's quote-unquote metaverse, which uh, you might know as like an attempt at VR chat, but without any fun involved. Uh, And that also didn't happen. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, now that it's just a giant, like, red mark on the balance sheet, they suddenly have to pretend like they expected to turn a profit. And it's never going to do that. It's absolutely going to happen. But uh, investors sure would like it if they at least pretended it's supposed to. Yeah, when when I found out that Facebook was going to buy Oculus, I remember telling people, I'm like, oh, okay, so now they'll be able to just feed the ads straight into your eyeballs and you won't be able to look away. How about that? That was yeah. that. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's the other thing about this? Uh, oh, yeah, the, the actual thing that is uh, slowly bleeding Facebook dry is one of the is honestly the best the best thing Apple has done in the past 10 years, which is that they made it so that it's very easy to opt out of targeted ads in iOS apps, which by itself seems to have shanked something like at least 15% off of Facebook's ad profits. Nice. Fuck them. So <laughs> good on them. Thanks, Apple. <laughs> I know that whatever arcane business reason they did it for was that they wanted complete control of that data themselves, but it doesn't <laughs> matter if it's hurting someone I dislike. <laughs> Okay. Uh, let's hit another couple questions before I uh, die. Um, let's see. Uh, what games can you think of that should have been released on PC instead of consoles and vice versa? And then as an example brings up Pac-Man to the new adventures, and it's like, yeah, that might have made more sense on PC, but it still wouldn't have made sense. <laughs> yeah, that game. There's no way to make that game make sense. It does play like a point-and-click adventure game in that sense, but like uh, at the end of the day, it's mostly a like, pissed-off Pac-Man and see what happens simulator. So, <laughs> okay. So, console games that should have been PC games, or vice versa, um, PC games that should have been. Console oh, games. okay. Well, what about Maniac Mansion on NES? You know. <laughs> That's a weird game, but that, I mean that, that that only kind of counts because it was original. it was a port. Okay. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, because that's the thing. The things that really didn't make sense on one one platform tended to be ported together anyway. Uh, yeah. The only things I can think of are like some of the real old like id and epic games that like are trying to be console style games and like not release it uh and but you know those found an audience on pc and the other thing is that something like jazz jackrabbit or zargon or commander keen are perfectly cromulent games on pc and better than their competition but on consoles would have been mediocre like they would have suffered from having too much competition Yeah, I, like, there's a couple of, there's a handful of console-specific RTS games that never successfully made sense on consoles, but, I mean, that's, 
I think that's fine because RTS games are boring. Um, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> yeah, I thought um, I thought I'd get at least some pushback for that. <laughs> no. See, I really liked playing Halo Wars 2 on PC, but when I tried to play on Xbox, it was like, nope, this is not working. Yeah. yeah. Did Halo Wars 1 come out on PC? I think it did, yeah. Let me double check. Okay, there's a definitive edition of it. Was it right, that's, that's what I meant, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm double checking to see when did it come out on PC. But then I played um, Command & Conquer on the Saturn Back in the oh. day, and I thought, and that was, I don't know, I had fun with it. That was the era where there was like real artist attempts to make RTS as a thing. Um, yeah. yeah. Console, because you had that, and like that. I played Warcraft 2 on Saturn, and that was actually pretty huh? fun. Uh, what, what? Warcraft 2 on Saturn. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I forgot that exists sometimes. Starcraft 64. Well, wasn't there, um,. I want to say there was a Heroes of Might and Magic port on a console, and it was terrible, but it might have been PlayStation, or it might have been Game Boy Advance, even. Because, like, there's a bazillion Might and Magic games on PS1, just wildly divergent quality. Uh, Because 3DO got control of that license at some stage. Yeah, they did three. And 3DO's uh, avowed internal like goals was shorter development times and smaller budgets, and that tended to produce games that were extremely bad. Uh, let me, so at least one of those games is branded like a magic game, but uh, is actually a remake of an unrelated game. <laughs> let me see if I can find this. Could you speak up a little bit? I'm having some trouble hearing you. Sorry, I'm a bit quiet. I'm trying to keep quiet, so uh, uh, just do my best. I'm sorry, I'll have to speak up. I'm wearing a towel. You can also boost my volume in Discord if you were to click my name. Oh, hold on. I found it. Oh. Um, supposedly, and I, I know this is true. I saw it in a magazine, but I think there is a Heroes of Might and Magic game on Game Boy Color. Yes. And I think I'm pretty sure it's terrible. Yes. Probably not. <laughs> okay, so the one that I was thinking of was Heroes of Might and Magic Quest for the Dragon Bone Staff, which, despite that uh, ridiculous name, is not, in fact, a Might and Magic game. It's a remake of King's Bounty for some reason. Mm. <laughs> Why? Don't know. Just did. Could. Was allowed to. Years <laughs> uh, of Might and Magic on Game Boy Color. Yeah, that did happen. First game is a port of Strategic Quest. From Here's the Might and Magic. Without multiplayer. Oh, Pew has that game because his dad worked at 3DO. Awesome. Wow. Cool. Where's Army Men World War Final Front? <laughs> I could just start listing obscure 3 d games and then start listing games that don't exist and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. 
Uh, what was yeah. the 3DO baseball game? High Heat Baseball? Uh, high Heat Baseball. That that was, was the baseball game yes, it was. It was the shit. That was like the, the like the game that was keeping them critically afloat, whereas they kept producing like 900 army men games. <laughs> and Godai Elemental Forces. Oh, oh man, Shifters of Might and Magic. Or Shifters, I can't remember which it actually launched as. Uh, that game is incredible and sucks extremely, but my favorite thing about it is that uh, you can fly in it by jumping and guarding it. Truly incredible. <sighs> also, Tam wants to point out that that Might and Magic remake of King's Bounty is not even a good remake of King's Bounty. Because they forgot to... Uh, and there is a King's Bounty 2 that came out what, like last year and it got horrible reviews. Yeah. Yeah. Um I've I've actually I don't want to say I've read it. I've watched a few reviews of it that uh paint it in a better light, but it is not without its issues. It Maybe it's something that I might pick up when it drops to like yeah. twenty bucks. Yeah, like the combat encounters are supposed to be very good, but a lot of the RPG structure to it not quite as good. Okay. Hmm. Uh, I've got the switch hmm. port of it. I got on the cheap. I'll probably give it a try at some point. Now, wasn't there? Um... Were there PC versions of Halo and Gears of War? Yes. Yes. And weren't they, um, like, terrible? No. I mean, they're, they're just okay. ports that tend to be kind of years late. Yeah, so... Yeah, okay. The, like, the Halo 1 port uh, came, like, a while after the original It's ported by Gearbox. Yeah. Uh, but it was, <laughs> it was quite good, and it had, like, online play, which the original Xbox did not. So Oh, okay. It, cool. it was actually a pretty nice port and there were a lot of like mods and stuff for it that were pretty neat, so <laughs> and Halo two was used as a launch pad for Vista gaming, even though Halo yeah. two had been out by for like two years by that point. Yeah, the Halo two port is fine, it's just one of those uh, um, Xbox for Windows games. Games, games for Windows. For Windows. Games, yeah. That's how it was called, yeah. And also was caught up in the backlash of no one wanting to upgrade to Vista. Yeah. That too. Oh, Vista. Yeah. As someone who suffered both Emmy and Vista, Vista's not even a patch on how bad Emmy was. Yeah. Emmy yeah. was like the worst thing ever. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, as someone that worked in QA, we'd never had to test Vista or oh. Emmy because no one wanted to use them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you know what else though um, Diablo should have just stayed on PC I, I think that piece, that uh, Playstation port was terrible um, yeah. yes that's what I, that's yes, what I think yes uh, on the one hand yes that port is terrible on the other hand having played uh, the more recent ports no because I feel like that the game is actually better with a controller Okay. So, it was possible to make a better part. Yes, it's possible to make it. So, 
Yes, that's a bad port. No, I think the game actually belongs on console. And, and if right. we're talking about Doom, the game apparently belongs to anything. I, I await the horde of PC gamers with pitchforks. <laughs> like, I definitely saw people talking about Diablo 4. Like, I have friends who are talking about playing Diablo 4, and they're like, they better have, like, controller support on top of the PC, yeah. because that's the only way I'm going to play it. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't go back to mouse controls. This suck. My goddamn wrist. They just don't make a lot of sense for that kind of game. They don't. I mean, it made sense at the time because it just it wasn't a lot. That was just how PC games worked. Yeah. But, like, with any sort of, like, advancement, it's like, oh, going back to playing this the old way feels insanely primitive. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like if we just worked out how controls work on console style Diablo games uh, sooner, then that port would probably be fine. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, let's head to. Let's go to question number 50, which is this next one. Uh, is Rainbow Six's shift from tactical shooter to set piece shooter reflection of greater trend? Yes, shooter fans don't want to play tactics games. No, that's absolutely <laughs> true. <laughs> shooter fans don't want to play what games? Tactics games. Yeah. I... Two very, very different views of how to play everything. Yeah, and then there exists a audience that likes mixing tactics and shooters, but the answer is that that audience is smaller than people who just want to play tactics games and I people mean, who just want to yeah. play shooters. I mean, like the, the, the live service Rainbow Six is kind of, has a lot more tactics to it than your average shooter, so it's, mm. kind, of, it's kind of still there, but yeah, there's, it's not... It, it's nowhere near to the extent of the original Rainbow Six right. where you have yeah. like this screen where it was like plotting out how the mission yeah. was supposed to get home before you started it. Yeah, I never liked Rainbow Six. I remember when they put Rainbow Six on the PS1 Classic, even though that port is just absolutely... Yeah, yeah that was... Uh, PS1 that was a choice. <laughs> that, that really showed how much Sony had, like, like, their entire game selection had been, like, predecessors to games you've heard of now, rather than the games people played at the time. Like, oh, you yeah. played Rainbow Six now, so you want to play Rainbow Six for this old Rainbow Six. Oh, you played Grand Theft Auto now, so you want to play Grand Theft Auto 1. No, you don't. Grand Theft Auto 1 is garbage. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I thought the Division was okay. I think it would have been better if it was single player instead of the whole live service thing, but that's just my opinion. Um, but, I mean, that... But of course, well, of course, that was a third-person shooter, but... Um, and an RPG, but it had the tactical stuff, is what I'm getting at. Yeah, no, I would, I would have loved a, a single-player division. Like, um, I, I played through that for review, the the first one, and I had a lot of fun playing through it. But like, there wasn't a lot of end game there, and yeah, I would have, I definitely would have liked it as just a single-player game. Yeah. Hmm. 
Were we talking about the direction? I don't remember. Are we? Who are you people? Some something about Rainbow Six and tactical games and yeah, yeah. it's just just the idea of like is that a like is the loss of tactical depth in Rainbow Six a reflection of the market? And it's like oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sure. Like, yeah. But if you want a tactical shooter, just play XCOM 2 and get your ass kicked. That's not a shooter. God. Oh, it's just a tactics game where people shoot. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a game where people shoot. You're right. But but I'm no, my point is if you want to play a tactics game, just go play a tactics yeah, game. Yeah, play like, a tactics game. Yeah. Like, that's, that's kind of right. the thing. It's, like. Yeah, it's kind of funny that, yeah. like, yeah, there's no real market for the tactical shooters, but tactic games in general are. Well, yeah, that's oh, what I would say is it's, yeah. it's just they went and there's an audience for each thing, but not together. That's right. all. Yeah. I, I you know, there's there still a huge probably, audience for tactical games. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is probably a smaller audience. So like the, the issue you run into when you're mixing genres is that theoretically the idea is that you put these two things together and you get both of their audiences. And the problem is that when you put a tactics and a shooter together, you get the opposite. You get, uh, you only get people who are into both. Yeah. Well, I think so that, like, that ultimately explains why I think Call of Duty is just always going to be more popular than Battlefield, probably. Yeah. There's that extra layer of complication teamwork that uh, generally, you know, if someone just wants to pick up and play the game, that it represents a barrier. Um, but yeah, like the, the theoretical purpose of mixing genres is that you want to draw an advantage of both. So, like, you make the action RPG because, like, the action fan will enjoy the action and the RPG fan will enjoy the RPG and, you know, you can get those, uh, you theoretically get both audiences. And the problem is that in certain genre combinations, the shooter is off-putting, in, in, like, in this case, the shooter is off-putting to the uh, audience that's super here just for the uh, tactics and the tactics uh, part is off-putting to the people who are just here for the shooter. There's not really a lot of place for those two meet in the middle. And so you end up with a game that only appeals to people who like both and like both in a very specific fashion. Uh -huh. And then you have to actually make it a good game on top of that. Yes. Yeah. So like, <laughs> I could see... So, like, like, we're not even talking about, like, peanut butter jelly here. We're talking about peanut butter, peanut butter and Vegemite. Yeah. Surely there is someone who wants that. You better make a damn good sandwich to begin with. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's the issue that I think you would run into with something like uh, Rainbow Six uh, and any other shooter that tries to bring in that tactics element is that, you know, like... Someone who does it is going to be doing it because they're passionate about that. It's like I can see an indie studio making that work, but even if it works, it's not going to appeal to as many people as if you just made a shooter. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. like, just make a game that works. Make a game yeah. that actually does what it's supposed to do. Just and build a better mousetrap. Yes, and if you are attempting to get break into a genre that you don't understand in the first place, you are not going to make a game that works. No. I mean, you may make a game that is spectacularly interesting in all of the wrong ways. But <laughs> yeah, well, I I thought that um I thought Metal Gear Solid just hit a good balance between 
you know, there's parts where you have to kind of sneak around and you get rewarded for it. But then there's times where you just put on the assault rifle and just blow everybody away. And so mm-hmm. I've, I've just yeah. been playing Metal Gear Solid Five a lot lately. And it's like, yeah, that's got... For me, that's like just the right degree of tactical and I can just throw it all out the window if I get pissed off and just want to beat the mission. So. Yeah, I mean, when you look at something like Metal Gear, that was a game that was often criticized by people who were big fans of some of the other stealth games like Splinter Cell, where it's like, oh, well, in Metal Gear, if something goes wrong, you can ultimately just shoot your way through. And that's like, yeah, sometimes, but that's kind of the point, is that you, like, if things go pear-shaped, it doesn't make the... You don't fail and you don't start you don't necessarily immediately start over. It's just the game has shifted and now you have to adapt to it. And, you know, yeah. that's part of the appeal. Yeah, and that, well, that's how Goldeneye and Perfect Dark worked as well. Like, mm. when, when stealth breaks, yeah, it's going to be a hell of a lot harder, but you don't automatically you fail a mission. Yeah. Mm. So. Yeah. Uh, I don't know about anyone else, but I'm pretty tired, so. Uh, call it quits right about now. Yeah, let's start wrapping okay. it up then. Okay. Oh yeah, it's one thirty. Yeah, absolutely. Gaijin, tell me about a princess and a pizza parlor. Oh, somebody's still enjoying it because I've had like five hundred pages read this month. Oh wow! That's... Yeah. Well, that's kind of cool for like the digital versions. They tell you how many mm-hmm. pages people have read. That's neat. Yeah, par- partly because actually, um, for for uh, KMP, whatever it is, I actually get paid okay. a small amount per page read on Kindle Unlimited. Okay. So it does keep track of that because that's actually income. Hmm. Yeah. So who, whoever it is is almost finished with the fifth episode. Nice. Oh, they're making new progress. Nice. Yeah. So anyway, yes. So princesses of the pizza parlor available on kindle and kindle unlimited which we were just discussing right now um so yeah so if you enjoy tabletop gaming if you enjoy watching other people play do tabletop gaming because that is an entire thing on the internet now um if you enjoy reading about other people's games um if you enjoy living vicariously through other people's poor decision making and dice rolling facility and um just want a cute little romp through every possible thing that could ever go wrong, then let's check it this out. Um, there are nine episodes, two side quests, and a very long summer camp paralogue currently available. Still waiting on the covers for the, everything else. But um, hmm. I'm, I'm a good way through volume five of the paperback material at this point. Hmm. So, so uh, better get reading wheels. Yeah. <laughs> something we need to do um, in general so yes so yes uh, princesses of the pizza parlor by michael yarimizu y-a-r-i-m-i-z-u available on kindle and kindle unlimited thank you excellent <laughs> and joe you got anything to plug perhaps twitch streams um not really i mean i did stream some Let's see. Last week I did Forza Horizon 5, the Hot Wheels expansion, but I really wasn't having fun, so I'm not going to do that again. And then uh, I did a quick stream of Metal Gear Solid 5. I may or may not do that again. So I'm not sure what my streaming schedule even is anymore, but um, it's still Smoking Joe. 
Just let people yeah, Smoke and Joe eighty six on Twitch.tv and YouTube. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, that's that's all I have to plug. Just check me mm -hmm. out on Twitch and uh YouTube. Gotcha. Wheels. Uh, you can check me out on twitch.tv <coughs> slash askwheels. We have a regular Sunday night show, Sunday Night Shenanigans, where we generally play multiplayer games. Uh, last week we did some Sega Genesis games. Um, not sure what's going on this week, as I am, will shortly be very distracted by Xenoblades. Uh, I also occasionally do a very, very stupid but seemingly entertaining stream called Too Many Card Games, which I did, oh, yeah, you did randomly awful thing. this week, where I attempt to succeed at playing four different card games at once. This week was Magic the Gathering, the Pokemon trading card game, Hearthstone, and Slay the Spire. And At least Slay the Spire will wait for you. Yes. That's kind of why I throw that one in there, but yes, to varying degrees of failure. Uh, and also during that, uh, played Pew in some entertaining tavern brawls in Hearthstone, where we had it had the game auto fill our decks, and he got. This is like drafting with an AI that hates yes, you. Yes, and he got all the fucking top decks. And still, <laughs> still bitter about it. <laughs> and uh, everyone should play Stubbs the Zombie. Yes, Sorry. yes, uh, Joe and I. <laughs> played Stubbs the Zombie co-op the other day, and it was incredibly hilarious. It's <laughs> where I've been telling you about that game. Yeah. Before. Um, it's available very cheap on all the platforms, and it's an old game, so it runs it looks great on all of them. The only complaint I had is I know there's some like uh, <coughs> covers of some old 50 songs, and we did not hit any of them during gameplay, at least not yet. Yeah, so. I'm not sure if those ever... I think those might have just been promotional. I'm not sure they ever played. Yeah. Okay. The, oh, that oh. soundtrack, though, is very good. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's a very, very funny game. <laughs> I was wondering where the story was going to go about the origins of the zombie, and the game just opens with him coming out of the ground and eating people's brains. Yep. No preamble. It's, it's wonderful. <laughs> it's got a very silly story. It's yeah. just very fun. Well, yeah, because we're, we're playing it, and I'm like, well, who is he? What is his motivation? <laughs> Do I actually care? Does it actually matter? No. His motivation I'm doesn't matter, but the brains. game does give an explanation. I know. <laughs> I know. I'm going to... I fart on people and then eat their brains. That's the whole game. You throw stomachs that are remote remotely detonated explosives you can eventually i'm not sure if you reach this point but you can eventually uh like throw your arm at people and possess them with it what yeah like you you throw your arm at people and possess them with it and then you can actually use guns for brief periods as well which can be useful <laughs> nice yeah. or even vehicles that obviously control like warthogs for obvious reasons. But it makes more sense when you're playing as a zombie. You can't, you can't drive. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, uh, it was made in the Halo engine, for those yeah. who don't know. 
yeah, a wonderful little game. That oh, God, there's lots of little like cool dialogue that characters will throw out as they're playing, but the <laughs> the one that cracked me up the most was I was attacking a robot, and all of a sudden it just shouted out in like a very loud robot voice something about preventative maintenance. <laughs> it's like it's time for preventative maintenance or something. It was it was fucking hilarious. Well, then there was the one guy who was just randomly like, I have a wife and kids. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that, that was one of those games that I that I played when it was new, but no one else did because it was an original Xbox game in April 2005 when that platform was withering on the vine. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure why I ever played it. I never played it because I know there was a Mac port of it. It just. Yeah, yeah, it's never ended up happening. Yeah. Don't know. Shame on me. Yeah, wonderful little game. Um, yeah. As for me, I'll just plug the podcast. Uh, this has been Q&A Quest. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, oh, oh, I had one more thing to plug. Um, oh, yeah. <clears throat> we've talked about a bit uh, doing some new adventures and platforming streams. Yeah, we need to time to My copy of Klonoa is in New Jersey, so that is coming soon. Not yet officially in USPS's hands yet, but it is in the US, so Adventures in Platforming will be returning soon. I'm going to be forecounting New Jersey anyway. Wow. But yeah, um... Uh, yeah, so you can ask us questions. You can ask them in the comments section or in the Discord. If you haven't joined the Discord, you can join it by going to rpgamer.com and clicking the community tab to get an invite to the Discord. It's a lovely little community, whether you are a part of it, whether you want to ask us questions or not, so highly recommend that you join. Uh, we usually, you can also ask us questions in the stream chat. We typically stream at about uh, 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern on Wednesday, going into Thursday. Uh, and, and uh, you know, we always like seeing people in the chat. Uh, thank you to Fireminer for the questions in the big list that keep us going in the lean months. Uh, and thank you to Pew, Mega, yeah. Tam, and. and... I guess you, Joe, for piping into the stream yeah, chat. Yeah, you were you were briefly in the stream chat, but you were also in the stream <laughs> yeah. I don't know how to how to respond to you, but <laughs> thank you. Uh, but yeah, I can multitask. Uh, I can. Uh, but yeah. Otherwise, see you, Space Cowboys. Next see time, you. I'll be thirty-one. <laughs> mm -hmm. See ya. See ya. It's just you. Thank you.